Hey, Brandon. Hey, Donna. So I've been thinking a lot since it's getting, it's so cold now. It's January. It is literally snowing outside of our window right now. Yeah, as we're recording, it's snowing. And so with it being just so darn cold, it really got me thinking about vampires. Vampires. Mm -hmm. As we know, they are stone cold. And I wondered how many vampires we could name you want to play this game with me? Oh, is that? Oh, yeah. I thought like there was you. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll name me some vampires. Edward, Bella, <laughs> um, uh, Dracula, Nosferatu, Bella's daughter. But do you know her name? Nevaeh. No, <laughs> it was um. Oh, no. What was Bella's daughter's name? It was uh, Sigourney. Renesme. Renesme. That's basically Duh. Sigourney. Um, it was basically Nevaeh. That was a good guess. Yeah. Um, Renesme, go, go ahead. Uh, Jasper. I was just going to name a bunch of people <laughs> from Twilight. Like two real vampires and then Twilight characters. <laughs> um, uh, Van Helsing. Oh, wow. Okay. It's not a vampire. It's a vampire hunter. I was just trying to throw you off. Uh, see, I wouldn't know. Yeah, you wouldn't know because you know. See, I was, I was thinking like Buffy. You're not. That's that's a vampire hunter as well. Right. <laughs> uh, you're not a real vamp head. That's fine. <laughs> the guys from What We Do in the Shadows. Okay. All of them. <laughs> Esme. What? Esme. That's just part of Renesmee's name. Well, it's Edward's mom, Esme. Oh, my. He's a vampire. Edward's Mr. Colon, then. This is just, who knows it's more Twilight. It's Dr. Colon, sir. All right, I guess you win, Donna. <laughs> uh, did I say Peter Lowe? No, you didn't. Peter Lowe. I guess you win, Brandon. Yeah, Because that's this week... Right. What movie are we talking about? Well, first off, this is The Bargain Den. It's your weekly source of financial advice in the terms... Oops. I messed up. In the terms of us watching movies and telling you whether or not they are frugal. If it's written in the contract. Or if they are even vampirific. I'm Brandon. I'm Donna. And this week we watch 1988's A Vampire's Kiss starring Nicolas Cage. Also, it's just Vampire's Kiss. No, it's A Vampire's Kiss. It's a movie called The Vampire's a Kiss. Vampire's uh, a Kiss. Um, but yeah, it stars uh, Mr. N- Mr. Nicholas Cage himself. We just recently got off the coattails of another uh, Nicholas Cage film being Adaptation. It also starred Maria Conchita Alonso and Elizabeth Ashley um, Maria Alonso playing Alva. And uh, yeah, this is a kind of a special, uh, special treat here. We, we, we hinted at it at the end of our last episode. So if you'd seen the movie, you know. holy shit! Um, but um, it's a special treat because we ended up watching this film. Well, I ended up watching this movie uh, three times in the month of December. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Brandon watched it and he was like, you've got to watch this Everybody movie. I know needs to watch this movie. <laughs> what he told me was, it stars Nicolas Cage. And I'm not going to tell anything that's ruining it yet. We're not in the plot yet. But he told me it stars Nicolas Cage. And he's been bitten by a vampire. And at one point, he recites the whole alphabet. And that's really all you need to know about a, a vampire's kiss. Yeah. And I was like, well, I do kind of want to see Nicolas Cage like reciting the whole, what the fuck? And uh, so we watched it. So we're going to spoil this movie. Um and let's jump into it. Donnie, you want to start? First, I just want to say for our listeners, um, part of the reason we watched this was because it was free on Amazon Prime, but it was only till December 31st, 2021. So It is now sorry. free on Pluto TV, though. Yeah, you can still watch it, but I just wanted to give you a heads up. It's got ads now, so. Boo, ads. So, okay. <laughs> Nicholas Cage plays Peter Lowe. He is a literary agent and he likes fights books. Just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> he fights books. He likes to go out at night and drink and party and pick up women, but he never has lasting relationships with them. And that's part of the reason he's going to his therapist, who he goes to every week, it seems. And, um, Meanwhile, at his job, he started to really pick on the newbie of the office, Alva. his assistant, Alva, um, who he really wants to find this contract for a client. In the Der Spiegel files. Yeah, it's somewhere in the Der Spiegel files. And, um, Mr. Heatherton's. Mr. Heatherton's. Rattlesnake Hills contract. Rattlesnake Hills contract. <laughs> in the Der, Sp Der Spiegel files. It's been misfiled somewhere. It's, I don't know how it's possible, but somebody misfiled it. <laughs> Who? Who misfiled it? I can't possibly tell you that, Donna. Anyway, I don't think we actually said this out loud officially, but we are going to spoil this movie. No, I did. This I is, said it. Okay, I know good. I said it. That was the last chance. Um, so here's the deal. One of these nights when when Mr. Lowe is going out and partying, he runs into this girl who bites him in the neck. And that really just messes him up. He's all upset about it, and it starts kind of affecting his behavior. He starts acting even more mean to people, including especially Alva. <laughs> yeah, poor Alva. So um, he's really bullying Alva, and she's starting to get freaked out. And then... Meanwhile, he's like, he knows what's best for him is to go back to the girl we saw at the beginning of the movie, him picking up, because she was a perfectly fine woman and they got along great. But this vampire lady is a jealous lover and uh, kind of gets in the way and ruins his relationships, or he does really. But point being, uh, he stays with this neck biter. And uh, things start to kind of really go more and more downhill. Uh, he can't help himself but to try and terrorize Alva at work looking for this contract, even going so far as driving to her home to pick her up and take her back to work. Um, and Alva's terrified for her life. She ends up asking her brother for bullets to put in her gun. She's been starting to carry a gun in her purse but it's empty so she asks her brother for bullets her brother's like no you're gonna get in trouble with that so they compromise and she gets blanks for her gun well 
one night when Alva finally finds this contract, thank the Lord, um, Mr. Lowe loses it and chases her and attacks her, at which point um, he's convinced that he is in fact a vampire because when he is shot with the gun, he does not die. He assaults Alva and then runs down the streets declaring that he is a vampire. I'm a vampire! I'm, I'm a, a vampire. vampire! I'm a vampire! Um, he then like that. He starts living the vampire life. He blocks out the sun from his apartment. He gets some really realistic looking fake vampire teeth. <laughs> yeah. And uh, goes out at night to find somebody who he can suck their blood. Yeah, he starts simple with easy prey like pigeons. Yeah. And then he manages to go to the club and he starts doing what the lady did to him initially, you know? Yeah, sucking blood. Um, so he murders a woman at a club and then uh, goes back to his... Well, he he sees the, the vampire lady at the club and he's like, are you proud of me? And she's like... That's after he murders the woman at the club. Yeah. And she's like, what the fuck, weirdo? You're dumb. And so he's depressed because his girlfriend broke up with him and he's a vampire. And then he leaves the club and uh, the sun comes out, so he's all in pain. So he gets a wooden stake and starts asking people to kill him. And then he has an imaginary- I'm a vampire. My girlfriend broke up with me. Kill me. Um, yes. And then uh, he has an imaginary meeting with his psychiatrist who tells him he just needs to date this other patient of hers. And he's like, oh, thanks. And then walks home and- Loses his mind in his apartment one last time before Alva's brother, Emilio, comes up and murders him. Yeah, because of what he did to his sister. Yeah. And so that's the story all about how his life got twisted and upside down. Yes. Also, we were joking it's not Nicolas Cage. It was actually Will Smith, this whole movie. <laughs> Apparently, there were a lot of people considered for this role, including... Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Sylvester Stallone were considered for it. Wowza. I got to say, I think Nicolas Cage killed it. Only one that could have done it. So you did like this movie? I kind of loved this movie. Like, I get how it can be a cult classic because I... It's a, it's a dark comedy. Like, I think that's how you have to go into it aware of is that it is a very bleak and dark comedy not trying to be like a horror film or anything like that. And yeah, Nicolas Cage shot for the moon. Yeah. And he landed among the stars. Let me tell you that because he is very famous and this was one of his earlier roles. I'm going to read uh, a few of my favorite reviews from Letterboxd in our boxed in segment. Box, 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 boxed in. God, I need to queue up a sound thing for that. So I want to I want to set the sound to where it like is stereo and it like comes in like boo 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 batata like got it. all from different sides and stuff. You got it. I'll work on that. Um so here I got about 4 of them I just want to read through real quick. Um here are some popular reviews. The first by Eli Hayes says a legitimate contender for the greatest performance of all time. Four and a half stars. I agree with you Eli. Um Evan says, you might think you know Nick Cage, but you haven't really experienced the real Nicolas Cage until you've seen this movie. I'm speechless. Three stars. Accurate. 
Although, I get pumped that three stars up, man. I don't know. Yeah, why Why just three, I oh, wonder. Hey, Evan. Maybe good. they're just a tough crowd. Robin gave it five stars, and they say, the more you watch Vampire's Kiss, the more sense it makes. This is my third watch, and now I've got over the shock of Cage's performance, you know? There's actually a really good story under there. Would make a perfect double bill with American Psycho. Actually, can you imagine if Nick Cage played Patrick Bateman? I'd pay to see that. I agree, Robin. All right, yeah. Turns I like out it. Uh, that uh, Christian Bale actually used this film as inspiration for American Psycho. So, are you serious? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Wow. I want to end it uh, just with what uh, what user Wake says. Five stars, perfect movie. Um, so there you yeah, have it. Wake fair. said it, um, and in the wake of that, we now know that it is in fact a perfect movie. All right. So uh, let's see if we can find a perfect snack to go with this perfect movie in the clearance aisle. I've got a chocolate Santa next to me with its head bitten off. I might have eaten the head of the chocolate Santa, but we're not going to talk about it. That's why it's in the clearance aisle. But do you want to talk about whose chocolate Santa it is? It's our chocolate (laughs) Santa because what's mine is yours, honey. Uh, But was this a frugal movie? Was a Vampire's Kiss a frugal movie? It is oh, just Vampire's Lordy. Kiss, by the way. I was joking. There's no uh at the beginning. I just uh, potato, potato. Vampire's Kiss. Yeah. Okay. Here's the deal. I think that whoever cast Vampire's Kiss, especially considering they were considering like Schwarzenegger, really did a frugal move getting Cage. Because, I mean, I know this wasn't like his first major role, but it was early. And he fucking threw, he blew it out of the park, dude. Like, you could not be luckier than that. To, like, hire someone who's kind of a newbie and you're like, they've got promise. And then they just, like, amazing. I can't, like, that. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine casting someone for this? Being like, yeah, he's a he's a young new actor. Like he's pretty attractive. He's had a couple of roles. He's done pretty well in. Um, we need you to be insane. Uh, can you do that? And then he's just perfect. What the fuck? It's pretty amazing. Um, I do think that this was a frugal film. It really looked like they used their budget. I mean. Not the highest quality movie. I mean, honest, if I'm being real honest, like I think that they probably had a pretty limited budget. Um, I saw it was two million, which is not the biggest budget in the world. It's a decent budget budget. Uh, but I think that they used it in all the right places. I mean, casting, you know, it wasn't a big over the top experience, but I don't think it was supposed to. Right. I mean, it was a bit over the top, but yeah, just in presentation. I mean, really they had I'd say two main settings, like two main places they had to have, and that was Mr. Lowe's apartment and his work. Well, I would say, I would just argue three being the third being his uh, psychiatrist's office. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Which, I mean, that could pretty much just be a room in the office. Sure. So, but yeah, three three places you got to have, and probably... The most difficult of those, I would say, is Mr. Lowe's apartment. Because I was, I've been going back and forth on this, so I might need your help here. 
his apartment gets progressively more trashed right. as the movie goes on and he loses his grip on reality. And for one, I think that that's a beautiful representation, right? Like I just listened to an interview with Guillermo del Toro about how setting is so important and that's like the nutrient portion of film. Like that's the protein and like the bread and butter of film is the setting that gets you into the mind of the character. And so I think it's important that they put so much care into Mr. Lowe's apartment because that's a direct reflection of what's going on in him. Yeah, I agree. I think that but this... Oh, oh. Is it frugal to have all that destruction? Like, is is that worth it? I'm going to say yes, because looking at it, I don't believe that, like, they could have gone way more over the top. Like, I think that you and I could probably, on our budget, make a room look that disheveled. Because, like, if you think about it, there wasn't actually a ton of, like, some of the stuff that was damaged, you could probably go and just, you know, tr a big trash day, find some damaged furniture, um, or, you know, even so find some really cheap furniture and then damage it afterwards. Like, yeah, it didn't look, I mean, they didn't like break out a wall or anything. And this is true. There was no like structural damage to his apartment. And, um, yeah, so I'm going to say frugal again. I think they knew how to use their budget. All right. It's decided that the casting and the budget like that was all frugal. Um, and I mean, the, in that same way, I, I think then you know, costumes were frugal. I mean, he he wore a couple of suits, and they were like so perfect because they were like more like slim and fit at the beginning, and then when he became more of Nosferatu vampire style, he uh, got a, like the suits were looked like they were just like a little bit too big for him. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Wow. That is really frugal. Like, you're right. Way to show a transformation by just changing out suit sizes. Also, um, Maria Conchita Alonso only wore like three different dresses and then it was kind of combined with like a different coat. And I think that's frugal as well. Like, like nope. you said, it's kind of just a limited wardrobe, but it's still, and it makes sense because like really... She's a struggling assistant, not making a lot of money, and but she's got to look good, so she's got her work clothes that she's cycling through. I mean, even the vampire, like, you only see her in a couple different things, but... Right. I would say another frugal point is there's a lot of stuff going on in the background of this movie, on and off, um, so it's entertaining on multiple watches to pay attention to the background characters and the background just world. Um Every time I watch it, I feel like I get gleam something new from it. Um, on this last watch, uh, I, <laughs> whenever he stands up his date at the art museum and he leaves, there are people watching TVs on the outside of the museum. And on the TV is just what I think is like either a young boy or a young, like teens aged child, definitely in 80s clothing just jumping up and down. And there are just people on the street just watching it very intently. And I don't know if that was just happened to be there or what, because there's also a scene where there's some mimes that are just kind of in the foreground, but also background. 
I don't know. There's just a bunch of little stuff that goes on in between moments in this movie. Yeah. So I'd wow. say it's frugal. It keeps you entertained. Yeah. I, I'd say that is frugal too. Cause like, I think that's part of what contributes to this becoming a cult classic movie. Like, yeah, it wasn't the box office hit that they maybe hoped it would be, but it's got so much in there that rewards viewers for watching it over and over. I've got a question for you. How does this fall in line when compared to The Room? Because hmm. it's it's got a lot of the bones and structure of The Room, like kind of a simple plot in revolving around a small cast of characters. Um, I think it had, I, I almost want to say The Room maybe had a bigger budget. Hold on. See, I think a big difference between this and the room is that this is actually good. Yeah, this had <laughs> by itself. Like it's good for its own sake. Like the room is cringy and cheesy. Right. And bad in some ways that is not forgivable. Yeah. It's like so bad it's good, but this is just like Good. It's so uncomfortable that it's hard to say how good it is. The room, but it's really good. The room budget for the room was three times the amount of Vampire's Kiss. Holy shit! Holy shit! <laughs> A bat! Holy shit! <laughs> um, let's move on to our our famous segment, made famous by us. Fifty trivia. There's a couple on here. I just wanted to hit these two. I'm going to read kind of in sequence because they relate to each other. Um, Nicholas Cage playing Peter Lowe ate a real cockroach for this film. It reportedly took three takes. He once said about the experience, every muscle in my body didn't want to do it, but I did it anyway. Holy fuck. Okay. Wait, there's more. Sorry, there's more to the cockroach. All right, all right. The cockroach scene was entirely Nicholas Cage's idea, a decision he greatly regretted later on. Cage also received a number of calls from animal rights activists about the scene and defended his actions by asking them if they could honestly declare that they had never used a can of Raid in their homes. Wow. Interesting. Okay, so I got to say, for one, I called it. When I saw that scene, I was like, I don't think they faked that. That's a real-ass roach. I called it. For two... Frugal, holy shit. Like, there are roaches everywhere. Like, that probably wasn't hard to get and do. Do you think he got a disease? No, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, um, in the DVD commentary, director Robert Bierman reveals that the furniture and glass Peter, uh, Nicholas Cage, destroys in his apartment after Jackie, uh, Cassie Lemons, dumps him, is all real furniture and glass. The scene could be could only be shot in one take. Two cameras were on set for the shot, and one of them broke. He still can't oh, believe shit. how he allowed Cage to perform such a potentially hazardous stunt. So, on one hand, frugal, because that means we were right. Like, they're really working within their budget. And it's like, just bought cheap furniture, now go destroy it. We're not going to fake this and set it up. But also, on the other hand, not frugal. They broke a fucking camera. Holy shit. Well, it just says that the camera broke. It doesn't say that he broke it. It's fair. But also, like... Okay, then, yeah, we'll just say frugal. Maybe a risky frugal. Maybe this was a risk where it paid off in a frugal manner. 
Um, I've never seen a uh, 30 trivia like this. A popular image macro meme was taken from a still frame from this movie. Uh, yeah, it's there, the, there's a lot of memes of Cage around, and, and you'll see them in this movie. I just thought that was interesting. I'd say that's also frugal. Like, I think that goes along with this movie's success as a cult classic, where it's like, it, it's like free advertising. It's like it advertises itself. I mean, through memes and through its rewatchability, but especially its memes, because... Yeah, after seeing this, I was like, holy fuck, that's where that came from. Because I always just assumed it was like a weird outtake or something. But no, from from this fucking movie. During this, I'm going to read a lot of these because they're all very interesting to me, if that's okay. During the scene where Peter Lowe catches a pigeon, the pigeon was actually drugged in order for Cage to catch it. Uh, Cage wasn't told that the pigeon was drugged. Not frugal for drugging the pigeon. But, well, because, like, if you drug a pigeon, you've got to, for one, have drugs, and for two, have an animal handler on set specifically for that. Yeah. But frugal for not telling Cage, because you're going to get more authentic acting out of him. And what was interesting to me is in the scene, I watched for the, the <laughs> on my second watch, I watched carefully the scene where he actually catches the pigeon. He does it off camera. I don't think that was intentional. I mean, if they drug the pigeon, then... They clearly meant to catch this, but it could have been faked. And I just, that's interesting because I caught a pigeon that was not drugged. <laughs> so you think, so you think. That's true. I guess I don't know. Maybe I was Nicholas caged into catching that pigeon. It's possible. I got two more here. I'm going to say this one's definitely not frugal. The film was a non-union production. While shooting the scene where Peter and Jackie leave the bar and hail a cab, there were dozens of union workers harassing the cast and crew by blowing bullhorns. Not frugal. Disrupting production. Also, not frugal. Unionize. Don't be a jerk. Yeah, fair. No one wins in that situation. Lastly, the shots of Lowe walking down the street at the end, clearly mad and talking to himself, were filmed with long lens from a distance. The people walking past him were actual folks unaware that a movie was being filmed. For example, the couple that Lowe says, I'm a vampire, kill me, to, to while holding a stake, are not actors, but real pedestrians passing by who have no idea they're being filmed for a movie. Their reactions are genuine. My inclination is frugal because of the genuine reactions and not having to cast extras for those parts. But I'm also concerned maybe it's not frugal because then you have to chase those people down and hope that you get their permission. Right. Assuming they did that. I'm going to say not frugal on that part. You got to ask for permission. Yeah, because otherwise you're really wasting a lot, right? Like, what if you had 50 or 60 people in a row who were like, fuck no, I'm not going to be in your film? Because you go out there and you don't get permission, they're going to spank you. <coughs> they'll, they'll spank you with a lawsuit, and you don't want that. Yeah, no one wants to get sued. No one wants to get sued, and they can do it. Anyway, I'm going to say, I think this movie is frugal. It had, you know... $4 million less than The Room and knocked it out of the park with a low-budget, weird movie. Yeah, I think overall, it is frugal. Oh, boy, howdy. Um, It's also super fucking quotable. Like, I feel like everyone should watch this if only just to 
to quote it, to experience it, and then to repeat it out in the world. It just feels really good. It's very, very good. I, I actually like it better. Um, I like it better than The Room in terms of like weird kind of cringiness. Because, I don't know, I feel like The Room, I watched it and I wanted every line to mean something special. And so it kind of caught me off guard. This one, I think that's just by the nature of like the zeitgeist was already looking at The Room. That makes Mm. sense. Um, Whereas like with this one, I didn't expect it to be such a fun trip. And it was just such so much fun. Holy shit. Holy shit. That's like the the only thing we've quoted from it too much. But there's... uh, Am I getting through to you, Alva? So good. You want to thank some people? Yes. First, thank you so much for listening, tuning in. Um, We sure do appreciate you being our listener and sharing it with a friend who you think would also enjoy this episode. I also want to thank Sarah Anastasia for the use of her artwork. That's our thumbnail with us holding our cats. I also want to thank the Lounge Kittens for the use of their cover, of Dirty Deeds. And I'd like to thank Anchor for hosting our podcast. And I also want to thank our bargainer. Who's our bargainer this week, Brandon? Our bargainer this week is Jack3245. Thank you, Jack. Thanks, Jack. You can be like Jack and uh, log on to iTunes Podcast and leave us a review. Or anywhere that you'd like to re- leave a review for our podcast, just let us know about it. Because we only check iTunes. Uh, because it's uh, one of the ones that's easiest for us to uh, draw from. But, you know, you do you. But let us know about it. If you do, you can send us an email at thebargainedincast at gmail.com or find us on social media under The Bargained In or Bargained In Cast, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct, Donna? Yep, something like that. <laughs> something like that. Just look up The Bargained In. The Bargained In um, with Brandon and Donna. I'd also like to thank Donna. Thanks for recording this podcast with me, Donna. Oh, thank you, Brandon. Brandon. Diana, um, <laughs> is that it? That's all, folks. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Same great place. My name is Brandon. My name is Donna. Pinch those pennies. And stay frugal. Pineapples. Pineapples. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. We'll just leave on that. <laughs> But you ain't got the guts She keeps nagging